A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's a little bit different, isn't it, this week, Pete? It is. We're in a different location. Well, firstly, one of the rare occasions where we're actually together, which is always nice. Yeah, and this is the second time this series, which is more than both other series put together. <laughs> yes. So it's been a real triumph of uh, us actually seeing each other. Um, we're in Central Perk. We're in actual, well, I say actual Central Perk. Uh, we are at Friends Fest um, yes. in London. And we are recording like in their set of Central Perk. I mean, the orange sofa's there. Uh, the little performance area for Phoebe where she sits up with her guitar. It's very nice, isn't it? It's, it's, the, the bit we're in, I would describe it as not faithful bit of Central Perk. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the bit where the extras in the background kind of. But I'm not even linger. sure this bit exists, does it? That's the, so. So straight ahead of us, I'll paint a picture. Is the big orange sofa. Then yeah. there's like the tall tables behind, which do exist. Which do exist, there, absolutely yeah. fine. To the left, as we're looking, is the Phoebe area, absolutely fine. The door, all that. But basically, about a foot or two in front of where we are now is where there would be a wall, right? <laughs> and then the corridor <laughs> yes, to the toilet right. down the side, you're right. or a window, whatever's there. So we're basically in a, let's describe it as a purpose-built for this podcast set. I do, I do keep forgetting that parts of our surroundings are like photo opportunities. Like a moment ago, there was a very young girl stood behind the, the counter in Central Perk. And I thought, she looks very young to be working in a cafe. Right. Before realising she was just posing for a photo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are basically in the back of anyone for the next hour or so's photographs on the big orange yeah. sofa as well, I think. Um, and there's also, there's sort of, on the high tables that they've set up, they've set up um, Chandler's laptop as well, which right now um, I can see a man sort of typing on it in the hope that something will happen. Yeah, it's very odd, isn't it? He's, he genuinely looks like he's yes, thought like he was in an internet cafe. Laptop, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the big old clunky laptop from like season two. Keep you know, trying, when, uh, it won't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. You make a small list, you print it out. Um, so yeah, we're going to be in the back of a lot of photos, but we're just going to crack on. You can hopefully hear some hubbub in the background if you're listening, uh, but hopefully not too intrusive. Good hubbub. Good hubbub. Approved hubbub. And we've picked an episode today that we thought was particularly... Well, Central Perk is a particularly sort of focused part of it. Yes, well, so it's worth saying, there's no friend on Friends with Friends this week. No, it's just, just us two. It's just us. Yeah. I mean, we are friends. Hope that's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We are free. Yeah, stick with us, guys, please. Um, so, yeah, we're here because Friends Fest is here. It's the 25th anniversary of Friends, as I'm sure you're aware, because it's been all over the media in every country in the world. Um, so we've chosen the the one where it all started, basically, haven't we? The, the pilot. One from 25 years ago. Yeah. In is true it just called Pilot? Well, we'll come on to that in a second. Oh, I was okay. just going to say, in true Friends with Friends style, it would have been great if we'd have recorded this, like, three weeks ago and released it last week when yes. the actual anniversary was. As it happens... When this comes out, it'll be like two and three <laughs> weeks after the anniversary. Classic. But we're still, even now, what you might be thinking is, oh, it's probably because they recorded it on the anniversary and then it's just been delayed. No, 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 we're still a week late. Well, this episode will probably go out shortly before Festive. No, what's it called? Friends Festive. Friends Festive. Is that what it is? Friends Festive. They're yeah, doing the, Chris- the Christmas The version. Christmas one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how that differs from our current surroundings. It's a just Christmassy a Christmas based one, corner. yeah. yeah. Pop a Christmas tree on. Well, we've already had a Phoebe singing some songs in the in the corner, and she's done the Christmas one, the yeah. Monica, Monica, have a happy Hanukkah. So yeah. it feels a bit Christmassy already, to be honest. Merry Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to you, Peter. Um, so yes, here we are. We're going to do the pilot today, um, which is also called... The one where Monica gets a roommate. 
it's very so literal, on, Net- isn't on it? Netflix, it's called the one where Monica gets a roommate, and I think, and I can't find any evidence of this, but I think at some point it was called the one where it all began. Or something oh, like that. Nice. Is that right? Yeah, we're getting nods from the experts. This is good. We're surrounded by friends experts here, which is really <laughs> useful because we don't have to fact check on the internet. So this episode has had three different names at various points, but it is effectively the pilot. I, well, I think when I looked it up, it was called the one where Monica gets a roommate yeah. and then brackets pilot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've, they've renamed it sort of retrospectively. Pos- posthumously is not the right word, is it? Yeah, retrospectively. <laughs> no, it hasn't died. <laughs> no, it has not died. Very much not. It's very much living on 25 years later. Evidently. Um, so, I mean, it's it's almost... I quite often say this, like, I'll, I'll read you the synopsis just in case you haven't watched this episode recently, but if you don't know what happens in the pilot of Friends, <laughs> I'm just not sure this is the podcast for you. No. But I will read it. I'll read it, nonetheless. Uh, season one, episode one, the pilot. The one where Monica gets a roommate, the one where it all began. Rachel moves in with Monica, finding newfound independence after leaving her fiancé Barry at the altar. Chandler and Joey, meanwhile, console Ross after his divorce from Carol, his wife, who turns out to be a lesbian, and Monica falls for a colleague and is crushed to learn their moment of passion was only a one-night stand. Oh. Paul the Wine Guy. Brackets. Paul the Wine Guy. Paul yeah. the Wine Guy. I feel like we mentioned Paul the Wine Guy in an episode quite recently. We have mentioned why. Paul the Wine Guy, yeah. And I don't know why, and I don't know if it's an episode that's gone out already, so it's okay. one of those ones where... Edit that so, bit out. Well, no, I'd <laughs> very much leave it in and just... You know, it's, it's, it's a lottery for the listener. Yeah, let's hope <laughs> it, could it makes happened. sense by the time you know, we get there. Do you know what? If you're listening and thinking, you haven't mentioned Paul the Wine Guy recently, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming soon. <laughs> I feel like this is one where we kind of should work through it chronologically rather yeah. than the, the three different plots because it all sort of intertwines in in a way. And the reason we decided to do this one because of the anniversary, but also because we are literally on the set of where the first like five and a half minutes of this is set. Yeah. It's all in Central Perk. And the first thing I noticed watching it back was there's like three or four scenes, aren't there? That sort of fade in and out of fade each other. Fade in and out, and they're yeah. all in Central Perk. And I've, I've seen this like a hundred times before, but it never quite struck me how weird it is. And they are very much to sort of establish characters, aren't they? So the first one, the very first one is them questioning, well, not all of them. It's Joey, Phoebe and Chandler um, questioning Monica about her dating. Right. Yeah. So Monica, we we learn straight away that Monica's unlucky in love. Yeah. We learn straight away that she's like a figure of fun for them because of this, and she's a you know we don't quite get like this sort of uh, the Monica obsessive personality yet. I, th- I feel that builds a bit more. And then there's a couple more with Chandler. Chandler's one is about his his parents because he talks about this dream, doesn't he? Yeah. So immediately we get Chandler's like sarcastic, self depreciating. He talks about a dream he had when. By the way, dream, fucking mental. Mad dream, isn't it? Absolutely. So. The dream that Chandler says he has is that he's naked. Is he in a public place and naked? Yeah, he's in a school cafeteria, I think. Is that right? And he's naked, and then he looks down, and instead of... well, He can say it, mate. Yeah, it's fine. They can't say it on Friends, um, but we can say it here. (laughs) Instead of his Chandler Chandler Dong. And then his phone rings, and he answers it, and it's his mum. Yeah. Which, to be fair, he is acknowledging that it is... Like a, a mad dream. Yes. But and he says that's weird because my mum never calls me. And it's, 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 we talked about this on the live when we did at the podcast festival, didn't we? This feels like just like, like a stand-up routine. But it's an insane thing yeah. to put in in, like the, in, the, in the opening scenes of a sitcom. Right. Like they're using their best ideas here. Well, this is, the, this is the strange thing about it. So I was thinking like we watching it back now, we know these characters, we know the setup, we know everything about it. But this is the first time this has ever been on television in 1994. Yeah. And you're just watching like this weird sort of like almost surrealist sitcom where they just keep fading in and out of the first yeah. scene. And it's all this bizarre off the wall. Marriage chat. Yeah. No, not marriage chat. Parents chat. Parents well, the chat. marriage chat comes with Ross because that's his sort of establishing scene, isn't it? When he comes in and he looks very sad. Yeah, so he comes in in sort of the third iteration of this fade in, fade out, doesn't he? So Ross comes in, he does his, tra- like, his trademark. Hi. I can't do it. I can't do the David Schwimmer. <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just doing weird <laughs> Ross impressions now in such a book. Maybe we're going to act it out later. Should we just go and act out the whole place? It's the scene? fountain here. Uh, yeah, it's over there somewhere. Because I did think with the titles, sorry, I'm backtracking yeah. a bit. With the titles, they don't have any footage to intercut with the yes, titles. So it's, it's literally just like a minute of them dancing in a fountain. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else there. It's the long theme tune before they decided to cut out half yeah. the chorus. It's the whole thing, them just dancing in a fountain. Um, yeah, it's kind of when you put yourself in the position of a viewer in 1994, you must. Obviously, it did very well, but it grew and grew and it grew throughout the first season. If you're watching that first pilot on a Thursday night or whenever it was, you must have just been like, this is fucking weird. Yeah, it's hard for us to doubt that it worked because evidently it did. But 
Christ, what a weird, what a, <laughs> yeah. what a weird opening scene for. Yeah, it's become so memorable. No, that's it. And so Ross comes in, and uh, yeah, he utters his sort of trademark high. Yeah. Um, and so we learn very quickly about Ross. Ross has just split up with his wife. We get a bit of Phoebe being kooky because she starts cleansing Ross's aura. Yes. Uh, and then Joey, we immediately hear his sort of. He has no tact. Yeah. There's a bit of like slightly clunky exposition where there's a pause and Joey goes, and you never knew she was a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we're really just underlining this yeah. now. But we do see a very different Joey. Yeah. Because he isn't thick. No. He's a womanizer, but he's quite he's, wise he's, at times. He's, he's quite a smart lad, isn't yeah. he? That, that, yeah. That's what that's what he is. He he yeah, he's not this mad, stupid character we <laughs> we've I mean, we've, we've tracked this before, haven't we? And this we, is another, this is another thing that people have sort of become more and more aware of in the more recent viewings of Friends, is that Joey's trajectory is from, we've mentioned it a few times, from reasonably switched on, big fan of women, to incredible levels of stupidity. And he's at his peak intelligence in this pilot, I think. Right. It all goes, <laughs> all goes downhill. For yeah, Joey yeah, yeah, yeah. This is... Joey's absolute peak, isn't it? So yeah, for the first like five minutes, all in Central Perk, and we get all these sort of establishing scenes, um, and then we get that iconic moment. It's probably the most iconic moment in all of Central Perk scenes. I was mm. trying to think this the other day. I was like, what are the big Central Perk moments? We've done one of them recently, which was Ross the at the door, Rachel Ross at the door, it, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. But this is the one where R- Rachel's first appearance, which is a really good line. It's a really nice setup. It's you know jo- Joey saying, "Oh, go to a strip club, do this, sleep around, basically." And, paraphrasing and Ross goes I don't want to do that I just want to be married again and, and we get the comes, door burst yeah. open in she comes in a wedding dress and Chandler does does his uh, and I just want a million dollars are you but looking at the door I'm just I was just turning around to see if the doors are here and they are the, I can see the entrance but the I, door's I, there walk around just walk, stand up and walk around just see Oh, I can see the edge of them. This is thrilling uh, thrilling podcast content. Sounds great on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We were planning this. Getting up to look at some doors. We were planning this uh, coming to Friends Fest to do this, and we were talking to Comedy Central, and they were like, hey, where do you want to do it? And and at first I was like, oh, we'll do different bits in different locations. And I was like, this is just all going to sound the same on the podcast. (laughs) It's going to be great for us. I was like, what we could do is the pilot where we start in Central Park and then we move into Monaco and Rachel's apartment. But it's just the same, isn't it? For the benefit of of describing our surroundings, it's very much as it was when we started. People milling in, having their photos taken on the orange sofa and going, oh yeah, there's that thing that's in front. That's that's what it's like here. Yeah. And that's what I imagine it'll continue to be like for the entirety (laughs) of of this festival. Yeah. So Joey's in um, Chandler's apartment isn't in this episode? Not at all, no. Not at all? Doesn't, it's not in the second it's episode It's not either. even particularly clear that they live together. Uh, they, he mentions, so Joey mentions it once Does when it? he's hitting on Rachel. So this is another right bit. Across yeah, the hall, I, yes. We live right across the hallway. Come and see us whenever you want. Uh, and again, another bit of like Joey character painting very, very early on. By the way, um, in Central Perk, the waitress who I don't really think we ever see again, um, she has a line. Yeah, do you know, that's Jasmine. The, the, the fuck's <laughs> I loved it. I love. I love this podcast when you just. You'll remember when I say it. But Pete's like. Pete's oh, is she part of the tracing? It yeah, back she she works in the massage place with Phoebe. What do they call later. it? You got to think about the the trail. The trail. She's yeah. part of the trail. But she she appears in a few more episodes. Right. Um, as Jasmine that works in the massage parlor. Yeah, right. but she's um, so she changes careers. Yeah, yeah. She she oh, moves from her. Rachel's place of work to Phoebe's place of work. <laughs> There's not many places you can work in New York City, guys. I mean, when I say quite excitedly that she has a line as if that's uh, you know particularly notable thing, she literally just says, "Can I get you a coffee?" Yeah. Or something. <laughs> she, well, which, to be fair. Good line for a waitress to say. Great, it, sure. <laughs> really good line. Really, we really paint her character. <laughs> good at waitressing. Good at standing there. There is that really nice bit of direction where Rachel sits down on the sofa in her wedding dress. Yeah. Uh, the coffee appears over her shoulder. Um, Ross somehow has a sweetener, which he puts in for. Then he does the stirring. It's a really nice physical bit of it being clear that they're all helping her out because she's very stressed. Yeah, and we also get very early on, don't we, this idea that Ross is low-key in love with her yeah. immediately well the umbrella the awkwardness of popping the umbrella when she first yeah yeah that's and we great. get that sort of weird tension awkwardness i mean we're skipping ahead right to the end of this episode but i think it is worth so the ross and rachel thing is really set up in this first episode oh, right? absolutely yeah end of this first episode ross basically asks rachel out and yeah. she says yes yeah and then <laughs> then he just bails yeah on it for a long like 
that was it. He it had it. He didn't. He didn't need to dance around for. I guess it's the full like arc of Friends, isn't it? Of them being reunited after many years of not seeing each other. Yeah. It being established very early on that that he likes her a lot and that she's open to the idea of being with him. Right. And then that's the full. The, the circle of life and friends. Yeah, the, circle, the, the friends circle of life to cross streams. Um, so Rachel comes in, she's run out on her wedding. To Did you notice that Barry in this episode is called Finkel? Barry Finkel. No, I didn't spot that. And then in the rest of the season, he's Barry Farber. Right. Yeah. I wonder what was wrong with Finkel. There's a few things in this. So when they first come into Central Park, they... Introduce so Monica introduces Chandler to Rachel. We find out later in all the flashbacks yes. that Chandler and Rachel have met. I think there's probably an element of that where they just didn't think ahead or think to back reference later. Yeah, and they but, just kind of hope no one. But really Barry's surname, it. lads, just write it down on a post-it <laughs> somewhere and pop it in the office. Like, what are you doing? What are you playing at? There's also a notable difference in Rachel. Obviously, she's sort of well, she's run out of her wedding, hasn't she? So yeah. she's very stressed, but. The whole point of Rachel being there and establishing this new life in New York with Monica is that she's got to stand on her own two feet, yeah. get some confidence. And she is quite um, lacking in self-confidence when she first sits down. She's very nervous and she's very jittery. Mm. And she's very uh, she's a very different person. Well, I guess part of that is she's just run through New York City. In a wedding dress. In a wedding dress. I suppose if yeah. ever you're going to be jittery, it's in that situation. My main thing about the whole scenario is that... So it's established as a moment where Monica goes, I wasn't invited to the wedding. Monica and Rachel, we are led to believe, have not, probably not seen each other since high school. Yeah, and yet she still occurs to Rachel as being the first person to try and track down. What I would say is, how does she know where she lives? <laughs> this is someone she hasn't seen yeah, She's very fortunate that she happened to be in a if coffee shop. If you were at your shop, wedding and you were running out and you were like, right, all my closest, nearest and dearest are here. But do you know who... I probably could turn to now is like Glenn from second year. You know what I mean? Like someone that you're just like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. What other? You would not know where he lived. It's very convenient. You would not know where to go. Also, where should get married? Like Central Manhattan, pricey. Yeah. Well, Barry's very wealthy. Yeah. Very wealthy and yet is a dentist. (laughs) Is he an orthodontist? Orthodontist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Private healthcare pays well. That's it in America, mate. No NHS, is there? So Rachel's in, and then we've got this established, and then we move into their apartment. Have you noticed that the view out of Monica's window is not the view that we come to recognise? Oh, no, I didn't notice that. What is different. it? It's just the, the layout of buildings behind is different. You can see, like, a, a street off to the right, whereas normally when you see out of Monica's apartment, it's just another wall, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess this is one of the, like, many things that, like... We just remember, this is like a pilot. This is yeah. like, hey, guys, do you want to try this show out yeah. they haven't thought through oh maybe someone lives across the street all this sort yeah. of stuff but yeah it is kind of odd going back to it and, and seeing all those differences so then we get once we've done this establishing scenes we then split into the three plots I think don't we so yes. then we sort of got Monica and Paul the wine guy Joey Chandler and Ross building furniture yeah and Rachel and, and Phoebe's not doing anything Phoebe doesn't really do anything does so, she so this is the interesting thing so originally Chandler and Phoebe weren't supposed to be main characters they were supposed right. to be like side they were supposed to be comedy characters that pop up say but a Chandler's funny thing but Chandler's in the first few minutes he's he's a big focus of yeah, it and so he's also great in this episode I think what happens is Matthew Perry auditions and then they go oh this guy's he's really good yeah. brilliant but I was listening to um, Conan O'Brien's podcast like a, an old one the other day weirdly that Lisa Kudrow was on and she said her like experience of the whole pilot was quite weird because they were really trying to make her. So the scene where Rachel's cutting up her credit cards later, yeah? the director, uh, James Burroughs, apparently had this idea that it would be funny, because Phoebe's quirky, if Phoebe just did that whole scene from under the table. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, this is... Which scene? The... the- the I, I think, card yeah, I might be, I might be wrong what the scene is, but it's a scene where they're all in the kitchen, and so I think it is the credit card yeah. cutting scene. And he was like, "Hey, it's a funny idea. What if Phoebe was just like lying under the table and just like having a conversation?" And then so they did this in rehearsal, apparently, and then they uh, came to like the shoot day, and like all the execs turned up to watch it for the first time, and they were like, "Lisa, just, uh, just." bit fucking weird isn't it just lying under the table the scene and she was like yeah but it wasn't my idea so yeah apparently they were really trying to push this weird Phoebe quirkiness all around but the thing about Phoebe in this episode is that the main thing we learn about her is 
her very dark, troubled childhood. Yeah. Because when she's trying to console Rachel, yeah. she well, she reveals it all, doesn't she? Mother killed herself, stepdad was in prison, lived with a guy who then killed himself as well. Yeah, that's that's Phoebe's moment of like this is this is my entire character background then. Yeah. It's really well done. It's a really like yeah. clever little device of just going, Here I am, all out. We yeah. know I'm a bit quirky and weird, and now here is all of my history in one go. But yeah, she lays That's it all the out. That's most she says in the whole episode. But she doesn't do anything else. No. no, she doesn't really play a part. And she's this sort of... She gives Monica a foot massage. Yeah. There was, well, again, there was apparently a, 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 like conversations around the pilot of everybody, all the execs, and the, t- the, the NBC, the network execs going, we just don't get why like Phoebe, why these guys would be friends with Phoebe. Like, it doesn't... What if the audience don't buy that these guys are friends? She, in the pilot, is not a natural fit with the rest of the mission. Yeah, and, and, and her argument was basically... Look, if we just act like we're friends, I think everyone will buy that we're friends. Yeah. But yeah, she is very different in, in that sort of group dynamic, isn't she? Right, I know I said at the start, let's go through it chronologically, but I think now this is the natural point for us to start splitting up the plots. Yes. So we've got the three different plots now. So we've got uh, Paul the Wine Guy. Should we start with Paul the Wine Guy? Yeah, Paul the Wine Guy. Uh, first point of order. Have you, do you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No. Fine. End of story. But uh, Paul the Wine Guy is, is Rebecca Bunch's dad in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's some people sat, around, means, people sat around the sofa aghast at that, mm. that news. I mean, it's lost a little of yeah, it. Yeah, completely <laughs> lost the news. Luckily, there are people here with us, Pete. That's true. That are absolutely thrilled true, by, that, being selfish. by that news. Um, I'm going to come out and say it. What a dick Paul the Wine Guy is. Yeah, like low-key dick. Yeah, um, but like, like quite... Like manipulative dick as well. Do you know what I mean? Like Loki, he's. I mean, we can only infer that he's playing this game from the start, right? And he does this yes. with loads of women. Yes, because right. basically Monica, well, hears on their date that Paul uh, hasn't had. No, what was how was the expression he uses? Hasn't, hasn't been, been able, able to perform, perform sexually, sexually in spits, two years. Spits since, out a drink um, over him at that point. Yeah. yeah, breaking up with someone, and then it obviously transpires that he's used this line on other people. By the way, um, no snap in his turtle. Horrendous phrase. <laughs> Absolutely awful phrase. I don't think I've ever heard that before or since. I just think Paul is an awful, awful character. He's, yeah. he's, he's, so he's the wine guy. So we, I, I, I presume he provides the wine to the restaurant. Yeah. There's a lot of hoo-ha when she's going on this date. The guys are really excited by Paul the wine guy. The suggestion guy. is that she's had an eye on him for a while, yeah. isn't it? So they go on this date. He gives her all the feet of the line about I've not I've been able to perform since since my marriage broke down. Um, it's quite an intense first date, I would suggest in general. Like, it, it they they portray it quite lightly, don't they? It's like it's all very jolly. But what they're talking about is mainly his divorce yeah. and Monica's contribution is my brother's divorce. But like, also, Paul makes some reference to a fifth date, and Monica's like, "Oh, do you think it'll be a fifth date." There's, you've got quite a bit when you're first dating with someone yeah. to jump from one to five days yeah. is quite presumptuous on both of their parts yeah well especially because Paul knows there's not going to well, be a fifth yeah, date yeah absolutely he's pissing Paul has the goal to be like isn't there going to be a fifth like, he's, he is proper manipulative like yeah. I think he's an absolute bellend yeah that's, that's my Paul the wine guy hot take which especially with the backdrop of Joey being framed as some sort of womanizer yeah um, Paul not exactly great either. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's not a good portrayal of, of men in this episode, is it? Um, so they sleep together. She finds out he uses line of her colleague. By the way, when they are talking about ways of getting revenge on an ex, Monica's suggesting seemingly seriously that he should break her leg. Yeah, break it's his ex-wife's leg. Yeah, yeah. Just chucks that into the mix, doesn't she? It's a fucking weird day. I'm telling you, mate. They're talking um, about really weird stuff all the way And he's through. like, <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah. And that's 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 pretty much the end of it. Well, he, yeah, I mean. Again, that should have been a warning sign for Monica because any normal person should have recoiled at that and been like, hang on, what? No. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, funny funny joke. I'm a psychopath, I'll so it's that fine. I'll for future. Yeah. And, 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 and it kind of, oh, so it leads to this great, like another iconic moment because it features in a lot of the credits. So when they find out, there's a really nice cut where Monica's been talking to a colleague. She does the horrible snap in the turtle line. And then we cut to <laughs> Joey going, I can't believe you didn't know it was a line, yeah. you know. And then we have this whole scene where they're berating Monica. First thing, not supportive. No. Nope. They are not supportive of her at all. They're like, you're an idiot. You've been taken in by this. And that is quite indicative of the, like, 
what I would say the changing times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the whole group is basically like, yeah, obviously men just lie yeah. it's just what outright happens. to try and have sex with you. Yeah. You should, you know, get over it. The focus of this episode, or at least Monica's storyline, is her as a single woman and her sex life. And that is different. Yeah. But you're right in that the way that other people react to it and the kind of substance to the plot that she essentially gets screwed over. Right. Is still uncomfortable. It's quite, it is quite uncomfortable, isn't it? But yeah, again, they sort of gloss over it in a way that I, yeah, I, I don't think that would fly in, in 2019. It's one of those ones, isn't it? No, I know what you mean. But it does lead to that uh, iconic moment of Ross's, where, which is in the credits, like I say, where he does the, I assume we're looking for an answer more sophisticated than to get you into bed. Yeah. And he does the, <laughs> the, the, the hand gestures that end up cropping in those credits for the next few seasons. And then, yeah, basically, that's it. That's no it. more Paul the Wine guy. She they find on his watch. They find his watch uh, on the floor later. Again, I mean, not much is made of the watch thing, right? But how did the watch end up on the living room floor? Well, also, Monica is not wearing shoes, and yet by treading on a watch, the suggestion is that she's broken it. Yeah, so she smashed the glass with a bare foot. made of absolute steel. Absolute fair play. Here, here are some scenarios I can understand. The watch is on the bedside table. Yeah. The watch is on the kitchen table. Yeah. You the don't w- take a watch off and Bill out. I'll just. Don't also, care a watch about doesn't answer. fall off. Yeah. You take it off. Yeah. So you take on your watch off. So all I can presume is they're having sex on the living room floor, and for some reason, minute he's taken his watch off and, <laughs> and left it on the floor. What? Name me another explanation. Is it essential to take a watch off during moments of? <laughs> no, you would. You would take it off, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, don't, you would. I mean, again. Yeah, I think that is the only moment that you would take it off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't take it off at any other point. So we're saying that they were at it on the carpet between I the I think chair logic dictates the- that you would only take your watch off to have sex or to go to sleep, right? Yeah. And unless he sleeps on the floor, we can discount that because it would just be on the bedside table. So the only other the bedroom. So he's been in the bedroom. He's been in the bedroom. So the only other scenario is it's a sexual watch removal <laughs> on the living room floor. And nobody questions it. Nobody says anything when they find the watch. Anyway, some would say, I'm reading too much into that. Perhaps. Some would say, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my darlings. It's me, Anna Mann, actress, singer, welder. Gotta have a backup. I've been in everything, my darlings, and I've been cut from most things. However, I will not be cut from one thing, and that is my own podcast, Talking to Actors with Anna Mann, where I meet those rarest of creatures, the actors. That's Talking to Actors. Look out for the new series starting soon on The Great Big Owl. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Right. Ross, Chandler and Joey. So this goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? Phoebe's not really in it, but they literally write her out of this. They invite her to the to. She does have one of my favourite lines in the episode. Yeah, and it's a it's a, a line that I use. Yeah, it, even to and this day, is. where they say, "Do you want to come over and build, help Ross build his furniture?" And she says, "I wish I could, but I don't want to." Yeah, great, <laughs> but said with such sincerity that it feels like an acceptable answer. It's one of those things where I go, I wish I had that confidence in life <laughs> to be that person <laughs> but not only can you feel confident in saying I just don't want to do that yeah. you're 100% confident that Got your friends will just, just will accept <laughs> it and be like do you know what fair play yeah. because 
I cannot do that. I um, my tactic is commit, always commit to something, yeah. and then back out. At a yeah, later exactly. Time. That is <laughs> that is the great it's British miracle social contract. Today, yeah, it really is. <laughs> So yeah, but this is it's kind of odd though. So she does get this great line, obviously, but it's kind of odd that they've sort of actively chosen not to include her. Because what she does do in it is she is funny when she's there. Yeah, like she's great. She's, she's great in the little glimpses, but it's almost as if well, the thing is that it's almost as if there's not room in the plot for her. But the thing that you find in Friends is that there is always room for each character to have something going on. So it must be something they were more conscious of later on, right. once they were underway, properly making the series, where they gave each character and had decided that they wanted all of them in it, but had given each character a proper purpose in each episode. Right. Because she, and to some extent Chandler, and maybe even Joey, don't really have much story. No, well, and, and the, the natural thing that they could have easily done was have Phoebe staying at home with Rachel and like consoling Rachel yeah. and, you know being forging this new friendship of people that don't know each other but they just sort of write her out and then mm. they, they leave Rachel's storyline which we'll come on to in a minute of her just mainly on her own on the phone yeah and um, so anyway but so, so Phoebe refuses to go and build furniture understandable we then get this scene where Ross Chandler and Joey are building furniture in Ross's old apartment yeah do you know what that's what they don't have here at Friends Fest that's we're just true. commenting on the sets they have they've got Ross's that's true later seasons apartment they do not have the set of Ross's old apartment which I'd say if anything more iconic yeah you got some great moments in there you got Marcel the monkey in there you've got the in the jungle the mighty jungle that's a fucking weird storyline oh, so, I mean we, we, we're yet to really do a Marcel episode aren't yeah. we I think but I think when it comes to it we will truly reflect on how insane it was <laughs> that within the first 10 episodes of a new sitcom is that how early it is it's really early on in the first season isn't it that they go, Let's one of the characters should have a monkey. <laughs> Absolute madness. Anyway, so yeah, so they're, they're they're building furniture. There's a weird, there's a strange bit where Chandler mocks Ross's speech intonation. Do you remember this? Yes. So Ross is doing this thing where he's crouched down. He's like, I'm supposed to be one of these brackety things with a wooden thing or whatever. And he does this like, can't feel my. I legs. have no braggity yeah. thing. I can't find the wood thing. And I cannot feel my legs. It does look incredibly uncomfortable what he's doing. It's a deep squat. It's a very deep squat. Then Joey says, you know, where's this supposed to go to Chandler? And when Ross leaves and Chandler goes, I have no idea. That's Chandler's thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't know that. Chandler's, for the rest of the seasons, everyone mocks Chandler for the weird emphasis yeah. speech pattern. Weird intonation. But here in this first episode, we get Chandler doing it to Ross. Yeah, that's weird. I, I wonder if that's where that was born. And yeah, they went, maybe. oh, Matthew, no, Matthew Perry's funny doing that. It just struck me as kind of weird that not only do they give it to Ross, they give Chandler a line literally mocking it. Referencing it. Yeah. yeah. That is weird. Very bizarre. Um, Ross is divorced, right? Yes. There are a few things. <laughs> <laughs> There's one line that I find very odd. Is right. that they're in the apartment. He gets a beer out the fridge. And he says, oh, this was Carol's favourite beer. And he's doing this I sort of reflective thing. And then says, she always drank it out of the can. I should have known. <laughs> Classic lesbian thing, that, isn't it's, it? Drinking it's beer from a just, can. It's, it's a very odd line. Very nice. The audience all laugh like, <laughs> that is a thing that lesbians do. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm sure many do. But what a weird thing to tie into a stereotype. It's a very strange stereotype, isn't it? And it's a very, like, on-the-nose thing yeah. as well, isn't it? They talk about the divorce and they bring it up right and Chandler and Joey say so Carol got the big TV Carol got all the furniture what did you get yes and he says you guys yeah and they all go oh you got screwed and there's a big laugh that's not illegal what did, what did he get well and also what, he, in, he, in the he court got, they he got to go, keep his own you, sister yeah, yeah, you, you can have your <laughs> friends and family your Carol my judgment as the judge is that the uh, Carol will get all the material objects yeah. and you get, get people who were already in your life <laughs> yeah. before you got what, married. What does he actually get to keep? It's yeah. not made clear. And I feel like there's some legal problems with their divorce. Hence all the flat pack that he, well, he's then yeah, well, exactly. to he's got to build up. We meet Ross's divorce lawyer later, much later in the seasons. Not, not, not a big fan of him based on this uh, first deal. Do you think that Ross ends up getting Marcel as a replacement for his wife? <laughs> I think I think we need to leave that for a Marcel episode. <laughs> I think there's too much psychological stuff yeah, to deal a with lot going on. in the Marcel scenario. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ross becomes lonely, doesn't he? He's got this apartment with nothing in it. They're building bookcases. 
Um, and then, then we get a bit of sort of, I wouldn't say Joey intelligence, but a little bit of Joey bit of wisdom. sound yeah. life advice wisdom. Slightly confused metaphor about the ice, ice cream. cream thing. Yeah, that's, I think that's the element where you go, okay, this guy's not like all there because the ice cream's a, a strange metaphor. But when he starts talking about spoons, the whole ending of the episode is based on Ross saying he grabbed a spoon <laughs> by getting back into romance <laughs> by talking to Rachel. So yeah. Ross's Joey's wisdom is sufficient that it has a profound effect on Ross, on Ross. and that he's actually thinking about it when he ends up suggesting going out with Rachel. Absolutely. If you're Monica in that scenario, that's my... I, you <laughs> yes, always got to... no sense, Monica's it? gone to bed, she's nipped out, and her brother's leaving the apartment, yeah. and she goes, what are you smiling about? And he goes, I grabbed a spoon and walks out. And we cut to her with this sort of lightly baffled yeah. expression on her face. But I'd be like... Jesus, is my brother okay? He's Her going, face he's, he's, understandably he's having, says, he's having I have a no breakdown. Idea what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not. It doesn't portray Ross out of context uh, in a in a particularly stable place, does yeah, it? You're right. And then, as we touched on earlier, Ross literally asks Rachel out. She basically, as good as, says yes. Well, he sort of he says it's about like how would you feel if like would it yeah. be okay if I asked you out, isn't it? But what I which you would take as him asking you out I guess he doesn't, yeah I'm, uh, he's obviously going you've just literally walked out on your wedding this is not the time it's a sort of slightly uncharacteristically um, emotionally intelligent bit from Ross yes. where he's like oh this is the right thing to do in the scenario not the mad thing to do but um, but what you would take from that if you were Ross is that maybe she fancies me yeah maybe this is fine doesn't act on it for fucking ages does yeah. he no it's true a whole rigmarole um Grabs a spoon, leaves. Lovely little ties, and, and and that's all. The so Rachel sort of, whilst Phoebe has no storylines, Rachel has two. All of it. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got, got like her own little drama going on, and then she's also part of this Ross spoon gate. I think Rachel's probably the one whose character is the most defined in this first episode because we know she's walked out on a wedding. Yeah. We know why she's suddenly found herself in New York we know what she wants to do and that she wants to abandon sort of the reliance on her dad financially yep. and become independent there's there's quite a lot of depth in there with her yeah there's a lot of backstory and there's a lot of and, and she's the one that has the journey in this first episode yeah. isn't she from um, from this massively spoiled brat like you say to this sort of I mean, what I would say is, I mean, let's should we move on to the Rachel? It feels like this yeah. is yeah, yeah. this is time for Rachel section. Should we play a little Sting and then do Rachel? Yeah, let's do that. Sting. It's kind of weird doing it in this room. Can I just say it's it's very different yeah. to doing it in the studio or even a live show because it's like if we do a live show, there's usually an audience, so that's a different vibe. And also, no other third person. Yeah, just... yeah, 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 yeah. And just doing it is it's slightly, I feel slightly bizarrely isolated, sat in the back of Central Perth <laughs> with my headphones on. And people keep walking past and sort of going. Hovering. Hovering. What's going on there? And then moving on. Yeah. I saw someone take a picture of us, though. Did you? Yeah. I hope they're a regular listener. Or... Well, no, no. As in, they went to their friends. Oh, look. Oh, that's it's nice. Them or something and took a photo. Should just, if that is nice. We if found that, our fan. If that was you and you're now listening to this, which I imagine is quite weird, um, should have said hi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do say hi. Well, Come they probably on. felt like they couldn't interrupt. Maybe just tweet us and say hello, yeah. so we know who you were. Be like yeah. nice and full circle. Who the fuck were you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it creepy, Pete. Sorry. Right, Rachel's storyline. So yeah, so Rachel, like you say, goes on this journey. Um, she bursts in in the first scenes and is the big focus. And the whole Iconic, yeah. episode is kind of rooted around this group of friends taking her in, accepting her, trying to help her. We then don't see her for a while while all the weird spoon stuff's happening and, you know, Monica's on a date talking about fifth dates and killing her ex-wife or breaking yeah. her legs or whatever. And then we cut back and we, we have Rachel. So at various points, she's on the phone to her dad. She's on the phone to Barry's answer phone. Yeah. And, and it's all sort of, it's all phone, you know. Barry's answer phone runs out of space quickly. Very she's a, quickly. She's only leaving a message for about 10 seconds. Old school technology, mate. Yeah. Voicemails were absolute doggo back yeah, in the day. Apparently. Not good at all. Do and voicemails still have a limited capacity? It's a great question, isn't it? Do voicemails still get I full? I think they do. After like 10 minutes, though. 
Yeah. I don't know. I've, maybe after a few minutes, it's like, come on. I feel I've got a story that I can't remember about leaving someone a really long voicemail as like a joke of some sort that I can't remember any of the details of, and then it does cut you off after a while. Cool. Admittedly, <laughs> not a belter an anecdote, but <laughs> I think there's a limit at the end. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Happy with that? Good, yeah. Uh, Thanks for that insight into voicemail. I, I, really, I do really enjoy the Friends. Friends uses like voicemail and answering machine yeah, technology as... Like quite a lot of punchlines. Yeah. There's quite a lot of storylines that really revolve around the failings of voicemail technology, and I really like that. And the sort of one-sided view of phone calls happens a yeah. lot as well, because Rachel has this in this episode with her dad, where, well, the Yurashu metaphor, yeah, metaphor, 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 where she keeps saying that she's felt like a shoe, and maybe she wants to be a person. Uh, understandably, her dad doesn't seem to understand what she's on about no it's an in, it's an interesting because again this is the pilot and we don't know what rachel's dad is like but now knowing in our heads what who rachel's dad is and how he would react to that yeah he would have no time for that yes bullshit. yeah yeah he'd just be like you're an idiot come home it what makes are you doing very little sense there is a um it's a slightly there's, there's like an underlying thing that we no one ever really talks about but it's quite sad that rachel the character doesn't feel like she can go back to her parents yes after this happens yeah. you know what i mean like there's a I, I know that her parents have broken up and everything's strange in the sort of green world but it's it says something that you take refuge in the apartment of someone you haven't seen for 10 years if you imagine the emotional strength required to walk out on a wedding while you are in the wedding dress and yeah. imminently getting married yeah it is I guess quite sad that she's not been able to say to her parents. Who are Rachel's mates? Who was yes. like a maid of honour? Who are like a bridesmaid? Bridesmaids? Yeah. Why are they not they all going like, help. mate, are you all right? Come and... Well, Mindy. Mindy. Yeah, so, yeah, where is Mindy? It's mad. Anyway, there you go. Um, yeah, I'm a shoe, I'm a shoe. That's a nice little moment. And then Rachel tries and fails to get a number of jobs, realises she's not qualified for anything. Gets... An incredible number of interviews in one day. Yeah. So something like she's had about 12 interviews in one day, doesn't yeah. she? Um, which she's set up and gone to very quickly. It's impressive, isn't it's it? Sort of within 24 hours of walking out. No, less than that. It's almost overnight. She achieves a lot in that day because not only does she set up and attend a number of interviews, she then finds the time to go on a fairly hefty shopping spree. Yes. Like that is a packed old day. And then eventually does get a job in Central Perk. Right. In so, this episode. I mean, she literally achieves all her goals and goes shopping. Gets a job in Central Perk despite it being a running joke in this episode that she's shit at making coffee. Yes, terrible at making coffee. Uh, and You're hired. The, yeah, you're hired. There's, there's <laughs> so, did you notice how overstaffed Central Perk is? As yeah. Well? There's yeah, like nine of them, them behind the counter. It's a small coffee shop. Interestingly, no Gunther. No, nowhere inside. We don't get any Gunther for quite a while and I think we've discussed this on an episode that may or may not yet have been released. It's very confusing, this production <laughs> schedule now, isn't it? Uh, but uh, Gunther doesn't get named until that episode where Ross and Rachel kiss for the first time. Is Gunther here? Because uh, I'm talking in Central Perth. Because where we are now. Not, not literally right in here right now, but he seems to be in the UK at the time that we're recording this because he's done a couple of interviews. Yes, he was knocking about. There was This is a sad thing for us. He was here on Thursday. Right. But we were both busy. Do you remember I said this ages ago? Yes. And you had some sort of training day. Yes, I was at tra- yeah, I did have yeah, it was and I, had to I do mean it. I would much rather have been here with And I I, I spent Gunther. my Thursday daytime when we could have been here chatting to Gunther in a minibus to Liverpool to do <laughs> in a musical gig. So um, the glamour of showbiz guys. Training for health and safety. Health and safety BBC Health and Safety Training. BBC Health and Safety which started um Anyone listening doesn't know this. I work for the BBC. Um, views mine, not not those of the BBC. And um, it started with somebody, the woman leading the training, saying, "Today we're going to make risk assessment fun." Ooh, it's and a I, bold claim, I, isn't it? Um, if if you happen to hear this, love my job. Views mine, not those of the BBC, and really good training. Did she make risk assessment fun? Um. <laughs> Fun, a strong no. word? No. Yeah. She tried. Tolerable. You know when you get <laughs> to that point where you're in a situation and you'd rather be somewhere else and you get to the point of sort of inwardly screaming? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is that how you're feeling now? Or no, 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 no. <laughs> I can imagine. Just checking. The alternative own. literally would have been sat in Central Perk talking to Gunther. Yeah. 
actual Gunther. And that's we got offered that opportunity. That's nauseating. And we couldn't do it. And that is sad for you. Yeah. On the plus side, my Thursday, I had a Burger King for lunch and a McDonald's for dinner. So did you? <laughs> pretty good. That, did you order a on the road. burger in both of those places? Uh, yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Can't even lie. Yeah. And chicken nuggets in both as well. Did you? Yeah. What are Burger King chicken nuggets like? Service state. Uh, Burger King chicken nuggets fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, service station food, mate. What else can you get? Always quite expensive as well. Very. I spent about 20 quid on my lunch and dinner I'd say that day. generally, <laughs> we're off on a tangent here. Um, generally, Burger King is quite expensive. Oh, oh really? More so than yeah. you'd expect? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then service cool. station. Cool. Why are we talking about this? With the service station premium, then it really becomes an expensive day. <laughs> um, should we talk about... I'll tell you what's the weird thing about recording here. Someone else is taking a picture of us now. I don't look. But... I don't know how much they can hear because we're wearing headphones. Yeah. How far are our voices travelling? Yeah, I'm so completely unaware. There's a chance that people are wandering into Central Perk and going, oh, there's someone over there playing songs by Phoebe. That's a cool feature. Oh, there's like the bar where there's like someone playing Gunther serving coffee. That's a cool feature. Oh, and then there's two lads in the sofa looking very official with their microphones talking about Chicken. The, <laughs> the premium of Burger King costing at service stations. It's and fine. It doesn't quite feel like a friend's vibe. No. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm enjoying myself. Um, I mean this in all sincerity. Where were we? Uh, something about Rachel? <laughs> um, Rachel? Yeah, so Rachel's been on the phone to her father. That's what we talked about. Then she leaves Anne's phone for Barry, message for Barry, keeps getting cut off. Her metaphor of the shoe. The metaphor all of the that, shoe, yes. metaphor. You, you created a new word. It was lovely. Yeah. I like metaphor. I, no, I hope you edited that out. No, no, absolutely not, because I've now done okay. a callback to it, so if I edit it out, okay. me saying Metafire will make no sense. <sighs> <laughs> there is that one scene where Ross says something like, he's, I can't remember exactly the wording, but who am I going to ask out anyway? Looks out the window, oh. just so happens that at the same time, Rachel's being very pensive in Monica's apartment as well. And then there's some music accompanying it. Jackson Brown, mate. Yeah. A lovely bit of Jackson Brown, Sky Blue and Black, um, which is the first time I think I ever heard that song on Friends, and it's a bloody great song. Let me tell you that. So you enjoyed that, mate? Yeah, I remember, dis- that I remember discovering that song. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things I discovered as a result of Friends, mm. like who George Stephanopoulos is, for example. Like, yes. I'm none the wiser on that. You no. said it's an episode title, and I have no idea. Yeah, you, you've, that's completely blanked in your brain, isn't it? I could, don't remember that episode. Yeah, it's an episode where they see George Stephanopoulos across the street. He's a, you keep a saying Clinton, it like... A, he's a Clinton advisor. He's a real man. So but he's George a celebrity? Ste- yeah, he's, he's a, well, right. he's a, he's a, he was an advisor in the Clinton White House. Right. But obviously... <laughs> Sorry, my, my knowledge of Clinton-era <laughs> presidential staff is quite thin on the ground. I'm not saying that I know the Clinton staff well. I just know it from this reference. But obviously what must have happened is that there's, in 1994, George Stephanopoulos was, like, quite sure. the hunk. Right. Because it's, they all sort of are like, oh, yeah, you know, George Stephanopoulos, that hot dude from the White House. I think it's anyway. fair that I don't get that reference because I was three. Yeah, understandable, mate. Yeah. Absolutely understandable. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, this is becoming the catchphrase of the episode, but where were we? <laughs> The music. The music, yeah, yeah. The Jackson Brown song, that's how I discovered that. Sky Blue and Black is Rachel sort of um, gazing out the window of her new apartment, which she's moved into very swiftly. Yeah, where did all her other clothes come from? Where did everything come from? And way, I'd never- just like to interrupt to say that a very stern-looking man just walked over while we're recording and just sort of stared at us for a bit. That was quite off-putting. Yeah, you did wasn't. well to just carry on talking. Yeah, I was... I was desperately trying to talk about friends and not about like George Stephanopoulos yeah, or Yeah, he was very Clinton White House serious looking. That was a bit like, you know, the demon headmaster. Yes. I look I made eye contact with him and it was a bit like that anyone bit hypnotizing. Who, anyone who doesn't know who the demon headmaster was. <laughs> it's coming back, mate. It is with a new with a new headmaster. Demon. They're bringing it back. <laughs> um demon headmaster was a children's TV show uh, featuring a head teacher who could <laughs> Terrify and put children in a trance by staring at them. Terence Hardiman played the demon headmaster. Good knowledge. He'll be doing a cameo in the new series. Will he? Yeah. He was very creepy. He must be he very old He was very creepy and he's, he pops up in occasional other things. He was in an episode of Jonathan Creek. <laughs> and I remember getting unfeasibly excited that the demon headmaster was in an episode of Jonathan Creek right. when I was younger. And then being Didn't annoyed that... he wear sort of like very focal? <laughs> Yeah, he had very specific eyewear, yeah. didn't he? They were like sort of tinted, very vocals, weren't they? It, it, uh, should we get back to where were we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rachel? 
Rachel? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so Rachel's listening to Jackson Brown, that's what we were talking about, sitting there looking pensive. Yeah, there's a, it's a slightly... Yeah, uh, she's moved in very quickly and she suddenly got lots of clothes. Yes, and then there comes a point where they make her cut up her credit cards and it just feels like they haven't even given her a chance to settle in. Before yeah. she even gets a job, they're like, <laughs> cut off get your rid of all your money, lads. Money, You've got yeah. absolutely... We want to make sure you are as destitute as possible. Yeah. Cut up everything. She cuts up a library card at, at one point, point on the table. Did you notice that? A library card? One of them's a library card. But if, at this point, she, as you say, doesn't have a job, so you therefore assume that at that point she literally has no access to any money. Yeah, zero money. And, and she's like, can I... And she... she moves herself into what can only be a fairly expensive apartment in Manhattan. And it's therefore relying purely on Monica's goodwill yep. to have any, to yeah, not be homeless. It's glossed over and it's like a funny line, isn't it, where she says to her dad, oh, I'll, maybe I'll just stay here with Monica and Monica just goes, well, I guess she's staying yeah. here with me. But she's just said, I'm going to move in with you yeah, and I have no money. Yeah. And Monica's like, sure, absolutely, you go nuts. Can't imagine Central Perk pays too well. I can't imagine Monica's like, She's like a sous chef at the yeah. moment. She's not even running her own kitchen yet. Anyway, the economics of the, the friends' apartments is something that yeah. we've covered Bewildering. before, and yeah. many people have, have talked about. But yeah, so um, yeah, so that's 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 the pilot, and then yeah, the, the the whole thing ends with another sort of slightly strange stand-up comedy kind of just skit bit, doesn't it? In Central Park, we find out that Rachel's a waitress, but it's just Chandler talking about another dream. What's the dream this time? Liza Minnelli. Uh, Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Well, it, the the whole episode ends with him just saying so. Another dream. I'm in Las Vegas and I'm Liza Minnelli. Yeah, and that's that's the last line. Yeah, exactly. Done. That's it. Done. Rachel comes over. Who wants a coffee? Type thing. And then there's the call back to Did you make it or are you just serving it? Yeah. Oh no, the other sketch bit in the end is Phoebe doing the echoing. Do you remember yes. the friends are talking? Yes, that's odd, isn't it? I can't believe what I'm hearing here. I can't believe what I'm yeah. hearing here. Um, which is just again another little sketch bit, which I think is probably just like showing Phoebe at her sort of. Oh, isn't she kooky? Her isn't she weird? Yeah. Um, but there you go. End of the pilot. Normally at this point in the podcast, Pete, is where the quiz would be. Yeah. Where we'd quiz our guest. As I was going, as habit, I just started writing down some quiz questions. So, shall I just quiz you? Yeah, I, I also wasn't watching it with a view to being no. questioned. So I, feel I know, like it's a bit I, of a spur of the moment quiz. Yeah, I might struggle well, with We've it. got a couple of other people with us as well, so... As with our live Phone audience, if you don't know, you could maybe ask mm. uh, okay. one of them. This is an interesting one. So I wrote this down because I had to do the maths. How long has it been since Ross, in inverted commas, grabbed a spoon? Um, also, why is this soundtrack from Chicago play? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird, isn't it? <laughs> the Cell Block Tango is currently on in Central Park, um, which is... Hang on, I, I, I don't remember the... You'll remember this. And, and the reason I flag it up is because it's weird, right? So... Ross says, do you know how long it's been since I grabbed a spoon? Do the words Billy don't be a hero mean anything to you? The words Billy don't mean a he- don't be a hero don't mean anything no. to me. <laughs> so, what... Are we inferring that grabbing a spoon is asking a girl out? Right? Yeah, that's kind of the suggestion. Yeah? Although it's a bit more broad in terms of sort of doing something bold, isn't it? Billy don't be a hero is a pop song for uh, Paper Lace... In 1974. 20 years before this episode. Since Ross has asked the girl out. How old is he? 25? Yeah. In the pilot? So he was one. (laughs) His first words. Really weird thing is he sort of saying, do you know how long it's been since I tried to like have sex with a girl? I was five years old in 1974. How weird. So weird. It just really struck me as a weird detail. Um... So no, I've not. I've not got the answer to that. Have no, I? No, understandable. All? No. Okay. Uh, easy, an easier one. What? What number are the apartments? Oh my god. Is it one and eight or a nine? Four and five. Close. Oh, okay. The lower numbers they change later to nineteen and twenty. But yeah, uh, Monica's apartment's number five. Right. Well, I've not got that right. Which, considering it's a top floor apartment, erroneously numbered. Not at two, mate. Oh no! I don't want to join the. Club of Zero, Zero Club. Five. Yeah, it's not it's not an easy quiz this mate, if I'm honest. <sighs> Which of Rachel's ex boyfriends does Monica compare Paul the wine guy to? Oh <laughs> I can hear the line. Yeah. She's talking to Rachel at the table and she's like, Do you know do you remember you and X in high school? It's a real niche detail again. I, I mean that's what the quiz is. Hang on. 
Surname Kenny DeMarco. Tony DeMarco. Oh, for Tony DeMarco. Tony DeMarco. Another character in Friends that rarely gets mentioned. Yeah, sounds like a Sopranos character. Question four. What's the name of Monica's uh, colleague? <laughs> um, Do you know what? I'm, I'm gutted. I we feel like we've talked about her. Because this is a great quiz. No, we haven't talked about her. i tell you who we've talked about is there's another chef colleague of Monica's in a different right. episode in the first season. Ja- I think it's like, I feel like it's a Janie or a... Franny. Oh, yeah. Franny. Again, oh. not a big character. I've got one and uh, question five for the big zero. What's Rachel watching on TV? She's watching something where there's a wedding in it. And she says, but she loved him. That's the difference. Yes, yeah, so and the title of the show is X Loves X. Oh. <laughs> no. Do you want to phone a friend? Phone a friend? Johnny loves... Jody loves... Loves who? Charchi. I'm blaming Cell Block Tango <laughs> blaring in the background. It's really odd that Cell Block Tango is playing in it. Um, <laughs> Joni jo- loves Charchi. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, Johnny loves, loves Charchi. Johnny loves Charchi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not going to oh put you God. on the leaderboard because it was a. It was I sprung it on you, but yeah. I just I was writing them down. I, 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 it's a bit of a shame we didn't have a guest in this episode because this would have been a great quiz to to really test someone's attention to detail. What was that show? A, a genuinely successful yeah, show. Yeah, Journey of right, Charchi, okay. mate. They're characters from Happy Days, Journey and Charchi. Oh, okay. Spin-off. Spin-off from, yeah, Happy Days. Well, I'm glad they got married. There you go. Done. Um, never mind, mate. <laughs> I feel like you're genuinely a bit deflated. I, I am because I've always sort of felt slightly above anyone who got zero out of five. Yeah. And now I realise um, I'm right down there with them. Sorry about that, mate. That is really sad. I'm sorry to end this on a bum note. But um, yeah, that is, that's 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 it. That's the special from Central Perk. Yeah, we're all done. All what done. should we go do? Where should we go first? Well, I think we should go go check out the apartments, shall we? Yeah. Maybe do the pivot stairs. The pivot stairs. Do you literally just stand and have a photo? With yeah, us? yeah. There's a sofa, just sort of. But how does the in. person above the sofa get? Very interesting, Peter. They have built stairs around the back of the <laughs> set <laughs> to go up to the back of it. Wow. There you go. Bit of a insight into the world of Friends Fest for that you. That is insightful. Um, yeah, so let's go. Let's go explore the sets. Um, what a lovely day at Friends Fest we're having so far. Um, if you didn't get a chance to go to Friends Fest and you want to go, it's coming back into London on the 28th of November for a festive edition. Friends Festive, it's called. Very good. I think it's How in East London. How do they make it Christmassy? Uh, well, oh, it's at the Truman Brewery in Shoreditch. Um, 20th of November to the 21st of December. Very festive. Here are some of the things you can do. Visit your favourite sets dressed for the festive season. So quite similar, but just with some tinsel. Stick a tree up, yeah. Ring Phoebe's bell outside the mall. <laughs> I wonder if you can set fire to a bucket. That's good. I like that. Uh, recreate the titles in the snow. Pay a visit to... I'm not sure how canon this is. Pay a visit to the Holiday Armadillo's Grotto. <laughs> You remember the bit where they all go to his grotto? Yeah, of course. Uh, reenact the iconic Thanksgiving floating head scene. Yeah, because it's November, I guess, Thanksgiving. Yeah, with the drizzling of the... Yeah, with the drizzling of the turkey fat. Uh, and then festive food and drinks and exclusive merch. I mean, it's, it's going to be similar to this, but Christmas-themed, I mm. imagine. But that's a couple of new bits. Yeah. To which I say we should probably come back yeah. and ring a bell. Uh, but it is genuinely great. If you haven't been down, it's really... It, it is great. It's genuinely exciting in a way that you think you'll be able to resist I mean, the as fact a grown-up. The fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that you are very keen on friends' nostalgia, and I don't think there is any greater place for you than here. Because you haven't been for a bit, but we both came a couple of years ago. And when you walk, oh, it was like a quarter of what's here. Yeah, when when you you come into those apartment sets, you are genuinely like, "This is cool." Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, Anyway, thank you, Friends Fest. It's like I feel like we should thank them, but there's no one actually here to thank. So thank you, Central Perk. There you are. (laughs) That Not sure how stable that wall is. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week, Peter. We will. All the See best. you then. Here we are, still here after the music. Uh, I don't know why I always say that, as if... Yeah, not expecting it. But what if people just go? Uh, what if people hear the music and they just—they're not still here? It's such a short bit of music that if We're you're just like talking to ourselves, as now. soon as I hear music, I am out of here, and they rip their yeah. headphones out. And they're like, "Yeah, well, yeah." They don't get the benefit of the luck ahead. So uh, next week, 
Uh, we have the presenter Emily Sanford, who has chosen the one where Joey speaks French. The one where Joey speaks French, an oft-discussed but not yet fully covered episode on this here podcast, season ten, episode thirteen. Go watch it. Do your homework. We will see you next week. Great big owl. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.